the road to recovery. You might be cruising down it. A friend or family member lost on it. Or the road is, well, still under construction. Relevant Recovery Radio is about getting to that destination of normal health, mind, or strength. Now, Relevant Recovery Radio, here to give you the keys, Heather and Donnie Mosier. Sup? Hello. Welcome to this week's episode of Relevant Recovery Radio. We're your hosts, hostesses with the mostesses. Heather and Donnie Mosier. Up? <laughs> I'm glad you're with listening to the show today. Uh, this show is sponsored by the Matthews Hope Foundation. And so if you or a loved one is struggling with any sort of substance use disorder. Or an unloved one. Let's yeah. always rem- remember that. And you need any resources, help, education. We have a lot of different services that we offer. So you can give us a call. And even if we can't provide the services you need, we can give you recommendations of who can. And so you can give us a call at 844-AND-HOPE. That's 844-263-4673. You can visit our website, matthewshope.org. And the other one is mhdrp.org. Is that maherpaderp? Maherpaderp.org. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you'll get me or Nick or Candace on the phone. We can give you all kinds of information around what services that you may need to improve your life. I love it. And as usual, you're listening to us on a sunny or cloudy or, or rainy or snowy sunny <laughs> Sunday afternoon at 1 p.m. in Houston, Texas on KPRC 950. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to check us out and you're not in Houston, just download the iHeartRadio app. It's a free download. And the KPRC 950 has a channel you can listen to at 1 p.m. Central, and then every Sunday around 5 p.m. Central. We Somewhere just learned, around there, five or six. That today. Sometimes it's a little buffer time. Right. Our podcast or our radio show is then uploaded to a podcast, and you can catch us on all the platforms today. Wait, what? Yeah, so we're on iHeart, Spotify, Amazon, you name it, we're on it. What about Apple? You got it. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Hey, we're also on the Fasha book, too. Does that get any like traction there? A little bit, a little bit. Yeah, we so relevant recovery radio is in on Instagram and Facebook, so you can also follow us there. I post every weekly episode there. I I think we should just kill them because I don't see any action except for people talking bad about me. That's the part I like. That's <laughs> that's, that's mean. All right. So, anyways, how you doing today? Uh, not good. Oh. Uh, not good. I haven't had sleep. No sleeps? I've had no sleeps. Not even three sleeps? <clears throat> well, um, around 2 o'clock in the morning, and the reason I know it was exactly 2 o'clock in the morning <laughs> is because I looked at my watch because it felt like it was, you know when you've only been asleep for an hour or so, but it feels like it, you've been asleep for a day? Um, you shot up out of bed screaming. Who did? Yeah. You shot up out of bed screaming, um, panicked, mm-hmm. and then you tackled me. That's not what happened. And then you rolled from your side of the bed across me <laughs> to the other side of me with your back to the door. Then you were upset your back was to the door. And then another hour later, you moved. And then it was your arm. So essentially, I've been woken up every hour all night long. No. My disturbance was maybe a 20-minute ordeal. Um, no. It was all night long. It was all... I, I, I haven't slept. In fact, I was thinking about it today. I haven't slept in six years. <laughs> I'm, you're, you're, 
nocturnal activity. So listen, I don't really remember much of last night, but um, I know I had a nightmare, and that's why I woke you up. Well, we both had a nightmare. I think we we both had that. I need you to get off the phones and pay attention to the radio show we're recording right yeah, now, please. I will be in a minute. <laughs> um, no, I had a nightmare, and um, it was like we were in some sort of cabin, and someone was trying to get to me, and it had that person had like a tiger, and I you couldn't get to me. <laughs> this is really, and they were trying to like blindfold me or something, and I, so I then you. what was really I couldn't wake up out of my nightmare, so I had that weird thing. Where, like, you're kind of awake, but you can't scream or move your body yet. Where you're, like, still stuck in your sleep body, but your brain is, like, awake. (laughs) Wait a minute. So you're stuck in your sleep body. Yeah. So you have two different bodies. You have your awake body and your sleep body. (laughs) My awake body wasn't awake, but my sleep body was awake. They call it sleep paralysis. Where you're semi-conscious, but you're not. Okay, get your technical terms, whatever you need to do to understand this. But So you were in sleep paralysis. So I kept trying to scream. But, but and what I you couldn't. told me when you woke up was there was a guy that was like a vapor guy. <laughs> vapor? Yeah, that's what you said. Uh, I don't remember. I remember that. it well because I was wide awake at <laughs> so this point. So I finally could wake up and I woke up my sleep body to my awake body and I could finally scream. Okay. I'm ready to scream right now. <laughs> and so I screamed. That's what woke you up. And I just, I was really scared. You were in a panic. It was a night terror. And so I did climb over to your side of the bed. And over I, me. And I made you hold me. But so you can't roll over to my side and hold me because of your bum shoulder. So I have to go to over the other side of you because you always face the wall. It's like your shoulder issue. You can't just roll over and hold me when I'm scared. Yeah, but we didn't do that. I laid on my back That's where what... I can't sleep on my back because I snore. So I rolled over you so you could <laughs> console me. I was terrified, but then I realized my back is facing the open bedroom door. Help me. <laughs> and, uh, so... Help me. <laughs> I need some sleep. And so that was uncomfortable for my conscience as well. Right, and you you and Candy Pants were on the phone talking today about (laughs) some trip you may take and overnight, and I'm like, yes, (laughs) I'm going to sleep on that date. You act like this happens every night. Almost every night. No, I don't have nightmares every night. No, but there's something. (laughs) There's something. Either you, like, you, when you go to sleep, you're like a nuclear warmer blanket. And so you either lay all up on me and I just lay there sweating and I can't sleep. <laughs> and that's and then you'll stick me like I'll be on my back and you'll be like hugged up on me so I can't roll on my side. I can only sleep on my side. Right? So then I'll just be awake every five minutes when I start snoring, I wake myself up. You're really high maintenance when it comes to your sleep needs. No. <laughs> <laughs> you mean my need for some sleep. <laughs> Whatever you want to call it, semantics, man. I'm just saying, like, yeah, my, this is your problem, not mine. My need for some sleep. Listen, at night. I normally sleep a whole night through just fine, so I don't know what this other stuff is that you're talking you about. You do, but- you do, though, because you had to put a pillow between me and you because it's the only thing that protects me. <laughs> The only thing that protects gay, too. When we went on the girls' trip and we were sleeping in the same king-size bed, I was like, we're going to have to put the big body pillow in between us. She's like, okay. And I'm like, because I will climb you like a spider monkey in my sleep if I don't. Right, and she said you did like nummy noises (laughs) and just clicking your tongue. I mean, it's just, it's insanity. So what I realized is I have not really had a good night's sleep in about six years. You're welcome. Uh Lord, I hope this is a good show today. I hope you can just run with it. (laughs) Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with Relevant Recovery Radio.
Welcome back to Relevant Re- Recovery Radio. Howdy. With your hosts, Heather and Donnie Mosier. Today we're talking about lack of sleep, the fact that I haven't had any in about six years. I think we should really talk about what's wrong when I'm stuck in my sleep body and why that happens. <laughs> because the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> I'm being so serious right now. Like, have you ever had the sleep body stuck thing? I, I would have to be able to sleep a whole night through probably to have that. I, it happens to me a couple times a month, I think. At and, least. And I don't know what is up with that. And I would like to hear from our listeners if you experience stuck in your sleep body syndrome. <laughs> so please go to our... I think it's called sleep paralysis when you're a semi-conscious, but your body is still asleep. Yeah. I don't know if they call it sleep body. I want to know how to get rid of the sleep body. You want to, you want to stop getting side-blinded wanna... by sleep body? <laughs> yeah. Or... Or as everybody else in America, outside of Oklahoma, says blindsided. Listen, I got it mixed up one time. Um, And so what happens is that I get no sleep. I was trying to get as much as I could this morning. I got up at the last minute. I didn't do prayer meditation. Oh, I can tell. Which sets my day. And then I went into like just a... So it's my last day before a two-week vacation. So just by the sheer nature of it, it's a crazy day. Yeah. But there's extra crazy on top of it. Extra crazy, like sprinkled on top? No. Like drizzled? Slathered. Slathered. All over the top. That sounds like an Oklahoma word. Extra crazy. And so, I don't know if you heard me yelling at my whole group earlier. No, I tune you out. But I've been extra unspiritual today. Well, that's kind of like something we're going to talk about today a little bit. No, it's not. A little bit. I still don't even know what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the- We were in the car on the way here doing our normal, like, here's what we're going to do. And I was like, you're going to have to unpack this for me. And you're like, here's what it is. I'm like, that doesn't make sense at all. And then we went back and forth and finally I said, you know what? <laughs> this has nothing to do with you. I'm sure your topic is wonderful and I'm going to jump in, but you're going to have to run with it because my brain cannot even wrap around it right now. Okay. Let me tell you more what it is. Let's hear your topic. My topic is no monopoly. And because as you know, Donnie, um, in our 12-step fellowship, in our literature, there's a phrase where we say, and the book says, we have no monopoly on God. What do they mean by that? And so I want to unpack what they mean by that. And then I really want this episode to be uh, quite educational on different elements of this idea. And so when we say that we have no monopoly on God, Mm -hmm. um, what that 12-step fellowship is stating is this pathway that you and I work as far as the 12 steps, that we have no uh, monopoly on getting connected spiritually or to God from this one pathway. In other words, there may be other modalities that people can do that get them spiritually connected, and it doesn't have to be the 12 steps. We just have a way that worked for us. But it sounds like what they are saying, though, is recovery depends on God. Uh, certain types of recovery depend on spiritual connectivity, yes. but Because if they're saying we have no monopoly on God, what they're saying is other paths use God, but God is the necessary. Yeah, and I'm going to get into that. So what I want to do real quick is just read this quick little paragraph where it mentions this in context, and mm-hmm. then we'll kind of unpack it some more, okay? Okay. All right, so on page 95 it says, If he thinks he can do the job in some other way, meaning get sober some other way, and he prefers some other spiritual approach— Encourage him to follow his own conscience. We have no monopoly on God. We merely have an approach that worked with us. But point out that we alcoholics have much in common and that you would like in any case to be friendly and let it go with that. 
Okay. And so this is in the chapter Working With Others. They're talking about how to approach a potential alcoholic, someone that may need your help getting sober. Mm-hmm. And you're trying to have, like you and I would do often, is have a conversation to try to help this person figure out the severity of their problem with drugs or alcohol and, and whether or not this person belongs in a 12-step fellowship or mm-hmm. some other way. And so, Try and figure out what they're willing to do as well. And what they're willing to do and, and what sort of ideas. Because <laughs> we've seen somebody walking around like the embers of their life after burning it down. They're still not willing to do nothing. Right, right. It's pretty funny. And so... So let's back it up and say who needs a spiritual approach and who does not need a spiritual approach. I need one today. I know you do. I do. So let's not confuse our audience, though, because I really want them to get a lot out of what we're teaching and talking about. Because these are... Lead on, Mrs. Mosier. Even even though your brain no worky today. It's just, yeah. (laughs) You're usually very on point with this specific topic. Okay. I don't know why it no worky today, but... I'll jump in. I know. I'm here. So here's the deal. In the 12-step world, particularly, let's just talk about alcoholics. Even though I'm a heroin addict, I'm just going to use alcohol as a catch-all for a problem. I'm a garden variety alcoholic. It could be any substance. Um, So I'm not saying it's different if your issue is fentanyl or cocaine or heroin or alcohol or food or gambling or shopping or porn, whatever the issue is. Okay, so if someone has an issue with it, We have to figure out if that person is powerless or not powerless. And that's a phrase that's used in the 12-step world. But what we mean by that is whether or not, well, just say alcohol, if someone's a chronic alcoholic or an acute alcoholic. And so what you and I are skilled to do, and most people in any 12-step fellowship, is helping someone sit down and explain the differences of of acute versus chronic Mm -hmm. to help them figure out, because only chronic is powerless. And acute is also called like the hard drinker. A hard drinker, uh uh-huh. This is the person who stops drinking and their life gets better. They put the booze down and things get better. Without a spiritual program. Right. Got to clarify that. Like typically, I, I stopped a, shooting dope. My life got better. Like, a, but it's the why. <laughs> but there's a, you know, typically there's a there's a consequence. Like we were talking about in the car right here. Like there's people that'll get one DWI and like they're just done drinking. So let's back up and talk. Okay, so here's a scenario. There may be a person that does some heavy drinking. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter what they're drinking, how often they're drinking, or how much they're drinking. But let's just say it's a heavy drinking for that person. Okay. And let's say this person uh, goes and you know gets a DWI. Let the, Can it be Susan? Man, that's Susan. I hate Susan. Let's talk about Susan. So Susan is driving down the road and gets a DWI. Okay. okay? And so she goes in front of the- And we're hoping she gets tased. (laughs) Gets tased and all that. (laughs) And so she goes in front of the judge. And anyways, this experience, this consequence is uh, so profound for Susan. And so she just says- I am never touching alcohol again. Because she sees drinking as the problem. Ah, okay, my brain started to wake up. She sees drinking as the problem. She goes, you know what? If I hadn't been drinking, this wouldn't happen. Right. Okay, now so, let's talk so, about Linda. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Let's go explain this more. Okay. Let's not flip right. it yet. All right, go ahead. Go for I it. I want to give multiple examples of acute alcoholism. It's cute. So- so Susan was able to say, alcohol is a problem. I got this consequence because I shouldn't have been doing X, Y, Z. I'm going to cut it back or and moderate. And so I'm going to not ever do that again. Right. Right? And Susan- And she's able to. Is able to. Yeah. Right? No yeah. Uh, no second DWI Because she's an acute alcoholic. Because she's an acute alcoholic. So let me unpack this more. Okay. Let me give another example. You with cigarettes. When you were like 30-something years old- 33. You'd smoke cigarettes every day for a long time. 
Yeah. Your daughter came home from health class crying and said, yeah. I'm scared you're going to get cancer and die. Yeah. So your family member gave you an emotional uh, ploy, mm-hmm. emotional reason, please don't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. You crumbled them up, you threw them away, and you were able to choose to stop on your own willpower Yep. And you did not need anything else. And that was 11 years ago. That was like 33 and I'm 51. I've never had so, a cigarette again. So what we know now is you were only acutely addicted to nicotine, but you were a chronic alcoholic. But could you really compare nicotine to alcoholism or drug sure, addiction? Sure, look at my dad. My dad is definitely a chronically addicted to nicotine. But he's also cannot... chronically addicted to like grease and fried things. <laughs> I'm saying it's a powerless thing. He's had multiple health consequences, emphysema, COPD, uh, and the, the, family when, begging him. When you and your sister have given him an emotional plea, please stop doing this, he doesn't have the ability. Right. And so you got to unpack this. If a person is able to look at the substance mm-hmm. and, and able to exercise their willpower or new coping skills and just stop, then they were just acutely addicted, not chronically okay. addicted. Okay. okay. And so someone who is acutely addicted does not need a spiritual basis to quit. Okay. People like that are able to do it based on convictions or on consequences or family appeal or health reasons. They're able to look at the bigger picture and exercise willpower or coping skills and stop or moderate. And guess what? The amount of the substance doesn't matter. I want to talk about that for a second, um, that it doesn't seem to matter based on some people that I know. Yeah, yeah. All right. So uh, don't go anywhere while Heather unpacks this mysterious topic. We'll be right back here in a minute with Relevant Recovery Radio. Welcome back to Relevant Recovery Radio with your hosts, Heather and Donnie Mosier, otherwise known as two idiots on a microphone. Happy, happy, happy. Uh, so as you're unpacking that, I was thinking about what you're saying is for the cute. Oh, what a cute alcoholic. No, acute alcoholism. For the acute alcoholic. Um, what I was thinking about is it doesn't really matter the amount. No. It doesn't matter the amount Susan was drinking. Right. Because I and it know... doesn't matter the frequency. So, like when you're trying to figure out acute versus chronic, a lot of people will look at the quantities or amounts, or how often. Well, I don't drink every day. Well, but here's doesn't my, matter. But here's my point. I know a couple of pastors. Mm-hmm. I know a couple of pastors at a church that are very godly men. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, one of them is in a twelve step fellowship actively, and another one had basically like a crack habit mm-hmm. that, that he was able to kick through religion, no 12 steps. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying the power of Jesus don't have it, but what I'm saying is you have two different people that were using the same amount of substance and one needed a spiritual program of action and one didn't. And yet they both also wait, had the wait, same wait. You're religious... Wrong. You're completely wrong. Both of those people were chronic and both of those people had spiritual programs of recovery to overcome their addiction. No, they didn't. Yeah, they did. One did church and one did 12 steps. Both are spiritual pathways. Both were chronic. Mm, I disagree. Okay, but that's this whole topic. This whole topic is the idea that we don't have a but monopoly on I, spiritual I, connectivity. I disagree with your hypothesis because there is no it's spiritual... It's not my hypothesis. It's the literature. There's no spiritual... I'm saying that that's not one of them. There is no spiritual toolkit. There's no spiritual steps just going to church. People can have profound 
godly uh, spiritual what experiences. What I'm saying is one is chronic and one's acute. That's what I'm trying I'm to say. I'm saying probably not. I think they are both chronic and they both found God in two different pathways. I think you're stupid. <laughs> I think yeah. you're stupid. I hate you right now. Look, <laughs> the, all I'm saying is that... that you're, you're not helping my topic at all because you're... No, you're, I'm trying to tell you that... that you're, you're. This is exactly the topic. All right. Someone who did not need church, 12 steps, God at all, and just walked away from drugs or alcohol was acute. I'm talking about willpower, not spiritual connectivity. But this is where we've always disagreed. Because I've always told you that you take somebody who is on heroin, cocaine, crack, these things are highly physically addictive. And there's a good chance that if they are separated from it long enough, they're good. They were a hard drinker. They're acute. And that's what I think my example B is. He was a hard drinker. Could be. Or You're acute. trying to decide for, for yourself whether that person that you know was acute or chronic. And I'm saying we won't really know because he still used a path of God to get sober. But I, I, where I disagree in that is I think that for a chronic, for a chronic alcoholic or drug addict, the only way out is a spiritual program of action that has God at the end of it. Yeah, but people can do that via church. Church is not a spiritual program of action. Yes, this it is. is where it's we disagree. just not the 12 steps. Mm, disagree. There, there's all sorts. This is the whole topic. There's celebrate, We're going to have to agree to disagree. There's celebrate recovery. There's regen. But he didn't do those. This is my point. And there are some people like, like Paul on the road to Damascus that had a profound alteration of their personality that was sufficient to bring about recovery. They just didn't need the steps. Because we know from our literature that the profound alteration of my personality is what's needed for me to overcome alcoholism. Okay? There may be different ways to do that. Yeah, we have something via the 12 steps that's completely outlined Mm -hmm. and very specific. But there's other spiritual programs of recovery and other spiritual ways to get spiritually connected that aren't blueprinted in the form of steps. Mm. This is exactly what the literature is saying. We have no monopoly on God. If you prefer some other spiritual approach, okay, then pause. If you think that, then you tell me what the book means by other spiritual approaches that are not steps. You mentioned them. It's not that they're not steps. Celebrate steps. Besides celebrate and regen, tell me some other spiritual approach that's not the steps. N-A, steps. That's not what I'm talking about. Give me some other spiritual approach that is not the steps. Buddhism. Okay. Buddhism is very close to the 12 steps. There's even a book called Buddhism Again, and the you're 12 comparing steps. everything to the 12 steps. But they're programs of action. I'm not asking you what are programs of action. I'm asking you of ways to get spiritually connected think, that have but, nothing to do with the 12 steps. There's lots of ways. I think where That's we, what the literature is saying. But I think where we disagree is that I haven't seen a chronic alcoholic get sober in anything outside the 12 steps and not be happy. I have not in a successful sobriety is an emotional sobriety, a physical sobriety. It's it's finding your path and your happiness. And I'm sorry, but I haven't seen you anybody. You have, and it's the other friend you mentioned. But you, you, you are have. making the assumption that he was chronic. You're making the assumption that he was acute. I'm saying it makes more sense that he's acute. I'm saying it makes more sense that he's chronic because he got sober through a spiritual pathway. I'm saying you're stupid. <laughs> We're going to fight today. No, but that's what I'm saying is you... You are making a ton of assumptions, but my assumptions are wrong. I'm saying we got to sit down with that person, and that person, you, are, you know Let's this. Take they, Let's they take design. him out of it. Let's take him out. I'm sorry that I present, pre- that presented him to you. Okay. Give me somebody else. Who? What do you mean? 
Tell me somebody that you think is chronic that got sober outside of a 12-step program and is happy. Well, I don't know sober people outside ah, of a 12-step okay. program. Okay, you've been doing this because seven years. Because my world is 12 steps. You've been doing this seven years. I've been doing it 10. Mm-hmm. And what but, I'm but telling you is... we're fully immersed in one type of recovery. But what I'm telling you, but I know a lot of people in recovery, and what I'm telling you is that it's possible they're out there, but they're called a unicorn. It's very <laughs> rare that somebody is a chronic alcoholic or addict and can get sober outside of a 12-step program and be happy, be sober, well, I hear happy, your argument. I'm not saying that's not majority. I'm trying to explain this paragraph in our literature that says we, Alcoholics Anonymous, has no monopoly on God. Yeah. That if you prefer some other spiritual approach go for it try it we see it fail all the time go for it (laughs) and i wanted to dissect other spiritual approaches that create a profound alteration to someone's personality okay that are not the 12 steps i mean we i know people you we know a person in refuge who's happy and and we know a person in refuge who may not be Mm -hmm. right but they don't have a 12-step program I just, I'm not trying to decide for some other individual what they are or not. That wasn't what the argument of the topic was. Yeah. I'm trying to educate our audience on the differences between acute versus chronic. Yeah. So that the person that's struggling for sobriety is not able to maintain sobriety could hopefully understand why. Right? If someone has been trying other approaches to recovery that were not spiritual. Yeah. Like therapy. Like changing people, places, and things. Yeah. Like getting rid of the boyfriend or having new coping skills or all these other non-spiritual changes. If that's not bringing about recovery, it's because usually chronic. It's Your illness has progressed into chronic territory. What I said. And you're going to require a spiritual basis to stay stopped. Yeah. But I think that a lot of people don't want to come in and do a 12-step thing because, oh, God. Right? A lot of people have a prejudice to that. And so I wanted to dissect what you think the writers meant when they wrote that paragraph. What are other spiritual approaches to get someone to have a profound alteration to their personality? Well, if you look at the history of that program, the first guy to get sober and stay sober, a guy named Roland Hazard in the late 20s, early 30s. Oxford group. Got sober from the Oxford Group, which was a mm-hmm. church. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Oxford Group had six tenants that later turned into the 12, the 12 mm-hmm. steps, right? Yeah. But what I'm saying is... But, hold on a second. Mm-hmm. But then you had another chronic alcoholic that he tried to help that did not stay sober mm-hmm. in the same program. In the same, in Oxford Group. Both were in Oxford Group. One right. worked for one and one didn't work for the other until he did the 12 steps in a regular 12-step fellowship when it was created. And I think that the point is, is because some people will check the boxes mm-hmm. and just do an assignment and not end up with the profound alteration to their personality. So what do you, let me ask you, what do you think? Because I think that we know a couple of people, right? Maybe they had an issue with alcohol. Maybe they had an issue with an eating disorder. Maybe they had an issue with marijuana, you know? And I think, I'm not going to name any names, obviously, but we know a couple people that once they, you know, maybe got saved or got involved in church and joined a small group and discipled other people and got heavily involved in a spiritual way of life, the problem went away. But would you say that they were chronic or acute? Or can you even call it? You can't call it. That's the the thing. That's the thing. Yeah. But what I'm going to say is, so we started with, okay, so I probably derailed you. We started with Susan, and we hate her, 
<laughs> but she's acute, and you explained acute, right? Mm-hmm. An acute alcoholic can stop or moderate based on consequences, um, uh, emotions, whatever. Okay. Mm-hmm. What about the real? So, I didn't let you finish. So let's talk about Linda. Yeah. Well, we're fixing to go to commercial break soon, but here's Linda, right? Yeah. Listen, Linda. Yeah, I hate her. So Linda's a chronic alcoholic, yep. you know? And so it doesn't matter if she's gotten two DWIs. It doesn't matter if the husband is threatening divorce. It doesn't matter if she has cirrhosis of the liver. It doesn't matter if she has these other things. It doesn't matter if she wants to never drink again with all her might, all her desire. Right. She is going to drink through every one of those consequences. Linda's going to eventually drink again. And drink to death. And a lot of people don't understand why someone would do that. That's the powerless, hopeless, chronic type. Yeah. And that's the type that needs a spiritual solution. Okay, I think we found our way a little bit. (laughs) Finally. Let's go to break. (laughs) We're right back with Relevant Recovery Radio. starting to notice a pattern. Welcome back to Relevant Recovery Radio. I just now noticed after episode 135 million. <laughs> it's 128, I think. That that guitar riff, that brings us into the last segment. Mm-hmm. Usually, not always. I Is think. that true, Will? No. Oh, it's not? Oh, darn it. Sometimes. I was seeing patterns where they didn't exist. All right, so we have Susan, who's an acute alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Consequences will stop her. We have Linda. Linda, who's not, mm-hmm. she is a real chronic alcoholic mm-hmm. and no consequences will stop her. And, and what you're saying is that what the book, what the literature tells us is that God is the solution, but the 12 step program does not have a monopoly on that solution. There right. are other solutions that can help her. There are spiritual solutions that can help a chronic alcoholic. And, and so the reason I'm dissecting both of these issues, so I'm trying to explain what it means to not have a monopoly on a spiritual path you know, be at the 12 steps. Yeah. But I'm also going backwards and explaining acute versus chronic in several ways because it's important. A lot of people that aren't finding sobriety, they're not able to maintain sobriety, do mm-hmm. not know why. And I'm telling you, here's the why. It's possible that you're chronic. Therefore, you're going to require a spiritual basis to stay stopped. And maybe all the other ways you're, you've tried to stay stopped in the past were not spiritual ways. And so this is why the relapse will happen again. But this is where I'm puzzled because you and I know we have known many chronic alcoholics throughout our life, throughout Mm -hmm. our sobriety, who have chosen to just go to church. Yeah. I'm going to leave the 12-step program. I'm just going to go to church. And we always warn them. (laughs) So I'm confused by your topic now because we warn them and we say, hey, listen, Mm -hmm. just joining a church is great. You know what? Like on your cake of sobriety, it's great icing across the top. But as a whole cake, we haven't seen it work so well. Well, you're you're equating two different things. I'm not saying that just joining a church equates a spiritual program of recovery. I'm saying whatever the pathway, the lifestyle change, Mm -hmm. it produces a dramatic alteration to my personality. Mm -hmm. So if someone stays the same internally, they're still you know, in self-pity and they're still manipulating or Mm -hmm. blaming others or, you know, if someone's personality doesn't change and they're chronic, then it doesn't matter if they go to church or don't go to church. They're going to keep drinking. But this is why I I disagree with you. And I think it's, I I hope it's okay that I disagree with you. 
Okay. All right. In a 12-step fellowship, Mm -hmm. the steps are there to identify Mm -hmm. and help me change a behavior on self-reliance to turn it into a Mm God-reliance because God is what keeps me sober, period. Right. Okay. But if I'm a chronic alcoholic and I just go to church... What am I doing? What what actions? Because that's the thing about a twelve step. It's, it's I don't a disagree with you. Okay. I don't disagree with you there. I think that religion and church as a whole over the last I don't know hundred years or more. <laughs> um, I think a lot of people don't have success going that pathway and staying sober because by and large, church people may not really understand some secrets about. Uh, altruism and selflessness and, and, and we're not character downing, defects and we're not that, downing or that the 12 dissing steps church. has kept intact. And we're not downing or dissing church. We have a church home. We're oh, very yeah. active in our church. So we're not saying I'm that. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate here to get people's gears turning. Right. But if you think about the ingredients in a 12-step, you have the steps which help you identify the things that are blocking you from God, self-reliance, right? Agreed? But explain that. Like the purpose of me going through the steps. Go ahead. Um, is so that I can find out what defects are within my character that keep me from having a connection to God. Okay. If I didn't live life in those defects, then I would have a connection to God if I had faith and lifestyle. you know. And so when we go through the process of that, um, it clears that out, unblocks me so that I can have a clear connection with God. And we keep or maintain that spiritual connectivity by living the lifestyle and helping other people and giving back and sponsorship and all this other stuff, right? Um, And I think that a lot of people think that faith just means like, oh, I go to church, you know? And I think that a lot of people do not develop the lifestyle change sufficient to alter their personality like something like the 12 Steps can. And that that's that is my point because it's not just hold on a second, give me a sec to unpack. So okay. it's not just what is blocking me from God and getting into God reliance. Okay, what are some other ingredients of the twelve step? Well, if you're in a good twelve step fellowship, you have a sponsor or a mentor to bounce things off of. That you're spiritually accountable you to. You are you are active in helping others. Mm-hmm. Right? So you and I go to church and I think church and the 12-step fellowship, unfortunately, are about the same. They have what's called the 80-20 rule, and that is 20% of the people do 80% of the work, and 80% of the people do 20%, right? Mm-hmm. There's this weird... And so I don't think they're any different in that aspect, mm-hmm. but the, the the service looks different. Yeah. Where in a 12-step, I've got people coming to the house or I'm meeting them in a coffee shop, hour and a half, two hours at a time, multiple pa- people during the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas in church, it's like, hey, put on this badge and your serving is to greet people today. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. not really but sacrificing think, but my again, time. But again, if I look at the 80-20 rule, I bet you there's much smaller than 20% that are actually doing full discipleship and really spending time with other people for free, helping other people, like okay. what we do in the 12-step so world. So that is which, my point, is that the 12-step world that we're in has all of these ingredients to help a chronic alcoholic. I believe you. Please that. tell me another pathway. And I and I know that I'm really going against the grain here, but I'm just really in a foul mood today. So I'm going to go <laughs> against the grain because just honestly, from my observation, I have seen people in and out of Celebrate. I've seen people in and out of all these different programs that are outside the 12, the main 12-step program, right? Mm-hmm. They're either not able to stay sober. They're not happy. There's something about the magic ingredients. So when it says we don't have a monopoly on God, we don't have a monopoly on God. But you know what we do have a monopoly on is a complete program 
to show you how to get to happy, joyous, and free Mm -hmm. and live that way and never have to take a drink again. I believe you. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. That's my topic. Oh. (laughs) I think I found it by accident. (laughs) Did you trick me into that? (laughs) Listen, it took you a long time to get there. It's just that that- But I love that you delivered that message. I feel very strongly about it. Oh, I do too. Um, We know people that won't go into that fellowship because of past fellowship hurts Mm -hmm. or because the use of the word God or, but here's what I equated to. I don't know if you remember this meeting when we were in We Agnostics. And what I said was, I'm like the new sober guy. So I'm in this pit. It's a cesspool. Mm -hmm. I'm all the way down in the pit. Uh, I'm in feces and you're like, I'm just, and my life is just horrible, right? Are you also in sleep body stuck? And and you you're offering this ladder that says God and or I'm that like, says no, I'll stay a spiritual idea and you're like no no I'll, I'll wait and you're like no no wait a minute you're in a Held. cesspool mm-hmm. but you're not going to accept it because you have an idea against it because you have a prejudice against it because you were not open minded mm-hmm. well so on one hand there may be just acutely addicted or acute alcoholics that don't need it cool go, mm-hmm. go change your life choose differently and life gets better yeah. but on the flip side the other two common prejudices we see of chronic people who do need it is the one that you experienced coming in oh no there's god i don't want to deal with god you know but i was broken enough to go okay let's hear it and my prejudice was what can you people teach me about god i grew up in the church i studied doctrine i know all of this stuff right and so i really as as a christian coming into the 12 step fellowship did not understand what that different spiritual approach could do profoundly for me inside. Mm-hmm. And and I you, I did not understand that until I did it and experienced it. Mm-hmm. When people, when I, I'll just use I statements, when I was coming in. Wow, it's like you're in a small group already. I didn't think that I wasn't connected to God. But people don't know what they don't know. I had not experienced the depths of my relationship with God until I experienced a deeper level of it. And I'm like, oh. My favorite analogy is Matt's analogy, Mm. right? I know the book, but I don't know the author. I'm sitting at the table. I've memorized the menu, but I'm starving to death. And I think that you the magic... You knew the knowledge from the book, but you didn't know the author. I didn't know the application. And I think the magic of the 12-step approach is it teaches me how to actually order the food, the spiritual food, mm-hmm. so I can be fed. And I could have all the faith or belief in the world. I had that for 34 years. But if you don't years, know how to get it. But I did not know how to order it and eat it, you know? And so thank you for entertaining this topic with me today. It turned out pretty good because I was in the right, evidently didn't even know it. And thank you guys for listening. Uh, Don't forget, those who stand for nothing will fall for anything. And don't forget, we are putting our podcast up on all the platforms. So catch us, uh, especially on iHeartRadio, KPRC 950, Sundays at 1. Heather and Donnie Mosier, Relevant Recovery Radio. Hashtag God, though.